Emma. Merry Sunday. Um, <laughs> hello, happy Sunday to you. Happy Sunday. It is January 17th. Time is flying when there's a coup in the government. <laughs> How's your morning been? Oh, morning has been a treat. I, yeah, have been doing lots of Pilates lately. Um, yeah. I kind of touched on that in my, in our last episode, the exercise about how I quit my gym membership. I'm doing a new exercise routine. And honestly, I got to say, life changing. I got the little ankle weights. Um, yeah in the mail and then my little Pilates ball is coming in so it's over for y'all like it's like it's really over for you dime square akin model hose like it is over Emma's coming for your reign basically. oh 100% yeah um, dog um working out you know we've been just I think focusing more on like how our body feels versus just like mindlessly lifting a dumbbell because y'all know we've been doing that for decades and I don't see results so <laughs> Yeah. Correct. Yeah, the low the low impact stuff has actually been uh pretty it's actually been doing wonders, I think, just like for my body. Um so yeah, I'm kind of happy that I have made this shift and that I actually just like can see just like I think more just like mentally I have noticed like the biggest difference. Like I feel just like I really sustained energy and I'm just like way more positive and happy, um, which is something that I didn't entirely expect. Yeah. Um so yeah, that's a good feeling. I'm sipping on a blend of adaptogens at the moment um but yeah kind of usual usual morning routine you know we don't like to break our routines over here yeah I know especially on a Sunday why would I go off the path I gotta get ready for my next week of doing absolutely nothing except making memes um which brings us into our meme page honestly running a meme page is pretty hard you guys um (laughs) a lie Emma and I will be spiraling we kind of segment like 6 to 10 p.m is like spiral time um, where we just like I don't know why I can't make it through it like it's so dark but I can't go to bed at eight and I look at the clock and I'm like oh my god it's only six forty-five. like what am I gonna do granted I should have a task or something to do every single night because it's a consistent problem but one way we've been resolving this is through meme making so you know we'll workshop we'll send back and forth we'll do the little reaction heart a laughing emoji some shit it's just, like, us, like, randomly typing letters in the keywords, and we're, like, dying of laughter. Yeah, and just thinking of topics for the memes is really fun as well. Like, thinking about all these weird niche health things that a lot of people relate to. Like, okay, let's talk meme page demographics. Like, there's definitely the CMOS girlies that actually are listening to this podcast. If you're one of them, hi, hello, we love you. There's a good segment of, like, food accounts that follow us that I think have no idea what the podcast is no idea who Emma and I are and they just be sharing them and they're like god damn it I hate when I don't know what arrowroot powder does lol and I'm like who the fuck I mean it's good for you know growth but it's really funny because you can check like who shares all the memes which I don't know yeah and then also like um sorry to put you off um also like yeah all like the the brands that have been following us. oh my god yeah, I'm like, we, there's some brands that ha- we haven't even made a meme about them and they're following and they're like, LOL. I'm like, I have never tried your granola. I'm not going to add them. <laughs> I've never tried your like chips or snacks. Maybe send me some and I'll give you a meme, but your shit probably is not good if you have the time to like be on my meme page. <laughs> and we noticed too, like one of our favorite yogurt brands, Coco June, they started like making memes on their own social channel. I was like, what is this? Why are wellness brands doing this? I mean, good for them. Like, Amanda Chantal Bacon liked one of our memes, and she DM'd me something about it. And I was like, oh, Mom, hi. <laughs> Send me Queen. Lifetime Supply of Sextus, honey. Um, 
but a recent trend that I have been doing, um, spoiler alert, I am single, uh, just it was not working for me and I just decided to leave the relationship, but that means I'm back on dating apps. It's weird because I actually feel like good being on dating apps, like I don't feel like I'm seeking out validation, I don't feel like I'm wasting anyone's time or allowing people to waste my time, it's just very much like, we're in a fucking pandemic, like maybe we can go get coffee or something. Yeah, and I think we, you and I have, like, talked about this, like, one-on-one together, but I think also, like, you and I have been on the apps long enough, and I think, I think especially after us graduating college, we kind of have, like, felt this, like, shift, and just, like, being an adult, and I think also with that, like, we have already realized our self-worth, so yeah, like, being on the apps, like, we're not necessarily seeking our validation, and also, we have developed, I feel like, pretty good coping skills now, Uh, like, if something, like, does kind of fizzle out, like, I know, like, when I was 19, I, like, freaked the fuck out. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. Like, that's chill. Like, I don't really care. Like, I hope they, like, have a good life. Right. Me too. And I think, like, timing is such an important factor of any sort of dating thing. Like, what if the person, like, just, you know, broke up with their ex or something happened to them or they just, like, lost their job? Like, they might not end up be in the right place to date, even though they're presenting as, like, stable on the apps. And I think I'm able to weed through that shit easier now. Um, and just take it as like a, I think these next, you know, however many months before quote, the world is open, I'm just taking it as an opportunity to like refine myself and really seek out what I want in a partner and just like date, like date a bunch of different people. Like a lot of guys, I mean, girlies, guys be talking to multiple girls. Like, unless you're in a relationship, even if you're in a relationship, I hate to say it, like they could be talking to other people. So I have been just like talking to a wide variety of people, probably a broader range than I thought I would. I think like I limit myself sometimes in like height or career or like age. And I'm just like, oh, whatever. Let's just see what fucking sticks. But a pro tip for the CMOS girlies, if you're looking to like test the waters on a man, it will probably fail miserably because I've done this before and I'm like, fuck. Send our memes to a man. I have changed one of my dating act things on Hinge and Tinder to being like, I'm not arguing with a man, go buy a probiotic. And I got in this conversation with this one guy that I'm hanging out with later today. And we were talking about politics and I sent a really long paragraph and he responds, oh, okay. And I was like, do you agree, disagree? And he was like, well, in your bio, it says you're not going to be arguing with a man. So I didn't want to. (laughs) I thought it was so funny. I was like, no, no, no. Like, it's just a meme. Like, it's a meme about like guys like mansplaining. And then he like opened up. But I'm like, God damn it. Why am I going on a date with this guy? Anyways. If you find any luck or, like, you're, talk- you're in the talking phase, just send a meme to a guy. See what he thinks. He probably won't know what any of them mean, but. Yeah, I have the how wellness girlies, like, sage their room and it's, like, the chlorophyll and, like, the fork. <laughs> That's on my Hinge profile. And one guy liked it and the conversation just was dead. So I unmatched, um... Yeah, my time on the apps, I'm kind of sort of getting back into them, but it's just been, like, depressing. Like, there's no one, like, (laughs) intriguing or interesting. I'm like, you know, if I, like, haven't even considered, like, checking in to see if you responded to me, and it's been, like, three days, it's, like, probably a sign that I literally don't care about you. Yeah. And it'll happen eventually. Like, we'll die out, or you'll meet them, and it'll be, like, meh. But yeah. I feel, like, very open, I think. Emma and I were saying, like, confidence-wise, like, I feel really good with food and movement. And, like, wow, I'm, Emma was, like, did, like, a whole um, silverware, like, haul and stuff and, like, buying new plates and bowls. It's just, like, treating yourself like you deserve to have nice things. I think for a while, like, in many aspects of my life, I was like, why would I get new running shoes? Or, like, why would I buy nice makeup? Why would I spend money for myself? And, like, 
now I think I'm willing to do that. And that translates over to dating that like, I am in a place to like talk about myself in a positive way and realize that like some guy should chase me down because I'm so like such a catch, you know, versus a while I think I would go into a date and be like a sad little like hermit and like expect someone to like try to like care about me, you know? Totally. But that being said, um, enough of our rambling, but you know, the meme thing is where our girlies be at. So definitely spice it up with sending memes around to people in your life. But episode 11, today's episode, if you clicked on it, is going to be about artificial sweeteners. I think this is a topic that most people know about if you've been entrenched in diet culture your whole life or you've just seen like weird, you know, scientific names on food products. You've definitely come across these. And so Emma and I did a lot of fun research to kind of dispel myths and like give you the facts on these guys. Yeah. And I think especially like, again, like you said, like it can be like very confusing because it's like doctors are saying like artificial sweeteners will cause cancer and like all these other crazy health things down the line and then but then diet culture is like no you should like eat these because they're like low calories and you don't have to like give up your like sweet indulgent treats um so yeah Kate and I also kind of wanted to kind of get sort of to the root of artificial sweeteners because I mean I like everyone we all have probably consumed them and I definitely probably have in my past not so much anymore but like have opted for the sugar-free stuff because again like I was like oh like less calories but yeah just kind of like understanding like literally what the fuck they are what they can do to your body and like yeah just like the different names and everything I think like Kate and I really wanted to like educate and learn ourselves and teach ourselves about this and no better way to do that than turn it into a podcast episode right and the girlies you will benefit because we found some interesting tidbits of knowledge and of course the infographics will be posted this week so you can like refer back to those because it does get technical at some point. And Emma and I are no scientists over here. So I'll call you back and we will get into episode 11. Sounds good, dog. Peace and love. Bye. All right, we're back in action. Let's get into episode 11. So we're going to give you the guide to things like artificial sweeteners, sugars, preservatives, like we said in the intro. Basically, what are they? We're sure you're like familiar with them, but... A lot of this information that's, like, the introduction stuff, I, like, couldn't really put together. I was like, like, why were they even made? Like, what the fuck's the point of them? So, they're chemicals that are added to some foods and beverages to make them taste sweet, and they provide virtually zero calories. People often refer to them as intense sweeteners because they're often a lot sweeter than table sugar. And so, the difference between artificial sweeteners and sugar is that artificial artificial sweetener molecules, oh my god, are similar enough to sugar molecules that they fit the sweetness receptor in food so that's why they can be substituted in recipes though like the sugar quantity is a lot different chemically but they're too different from sugar for your body to break them down into calories and so that's how they have this sweet taste without the added calories and then they're found into diet products so that's yeah. the general background and emma did a lot of research on the history so you guys are going to get a little history lesson with professor emma here um, yeah, I also recommend if you guys like want to learn more about like the history of artificial sweeteners, I recommend listening to the, ga- to the gastropod. They have a whole episode on it. But yeah, I kind of wanted to do like, do a little research on like the history because like they are just like so prevalent and almost inescapable in our current food system. And just like how we got to that. So actually, the first ever known use of an artificial sweetener can be traced back to ancient Rome. And it was called the sugar of lead. And they discovered this while they were, like, boiling unfiltered grape juice at high heat. 
for like long periods of time and this caused lead to seep into the containers because they were using lead containers and when they like tasted the liquid uh they noticed that it was like super duper sweet and so they started using lead over brass containers because it like provide a much sweeter taste so that's like the first known use of like any artificial sweeteners and like our like civilization but there's one artificial sweetener that was kind of the trailblazer for artificial sweeteners being part of our current food system, and that is saccharin. So it was discovered in 1879 by Constantine Fallberg. Um, he was studying at John Hopkins like university, and he found that it was 300 to 500 times sweeter. And so then after like doing receiving patents, saccharin began to be used in commercial foods because it was cheaper than regular sugar. And also was, um, yeah, just like much sweeter. And it was also starting to be used for diabetic medicine. And um, saccharin then was often used to improve the taste of toothpaste, dietary foods, and dietary beverages. So that's kind of like the first artificial sweetener that was kind of like discovered in like current day. And then during the World Wars, sugar began to become rationed. And this is kind of how artificial sweeteners became like feminized. Because women were sacrificing their portion of sugar to feed their kids since they did not have, like, an abundant supply of it. But women were like, I don't want to give up my sweets. Like, I still want to be able to enjoy sugar. So they started to consume saccharin so they could still enjoy these sweet treats. And so now saccharin, originally being used for, like, diabetic medicines and everything, was now considered a dainty special treat for women to consume. So once the world wars were over, the rationing ended, and we needed to keep our economy booming along with our growing food market. And in order to do this, everyone had to keep consuming more and more and more and more food. Um, And so artificial sweeteners were kind of the perfect way to allow everyone to keep on consuming high quantities of these like processed sugary foods. Um, But the only issue that um, like food companies came across with saccharin is that it tasted like shit when you tried to cook with it. So it was only really good for, like, sweetened beverages. So, like, it was always, like, found in, like, sodas and stuff. But then in the 1930s, um, sucral was discovered, another artificial sweetener. And they realized that this could be used in baking. And so this kind of, like, totally changed the whole, like, landscape of, like, artificial sweeteners and, you know, prepackaged foods. But then there's, like, one extra component on how, like, artificial sweeteners truly became mainstream. And we can thank it to this lovely lady called Tilly Lewis. Hey, Tilly. Um, (laughs) Hi, Tilly. Um, So Tilly Lewis, she was from Brooklyn, and her parents were immigrants, and they, like, owned a grocery store. And so she would, like, work at the grocery store stocking shelves with canned tomatoes. And I guess these canned tomatoes were, like, imported from Italy. And she was like, oh, my God, I want to bring these tomatoes, like, to America, like, you know, basically, like, produce them in America. So she went to, like, Italy, and she learned how – to can tomatoes but then she also learned how to can fruits and then through that she also learned how to create like canned diet desserts and like syrups and so Tilly Lewis was a queen at self-promoting her stuff and so she paired her canned diet foods with a 21 day diet plan and she basically would go around telling people like my doctor told me that I had to lose weight but I was like, there's no way that I'm giving up my sweets. Like, I want to still be able to enjoy my foods. And so, therefore, like, you know, she just said, like, I created this line of skinny sweets. So, I don't have to give up all, like, my cookies and cakes and stuff. And this is, like, kind of, 
like Weight Watchers has pretty much replicated this exact model, like showing like women that who like can't control their sugar cravings, like, hey, like if you join Weight Watchers, you can still eat your cakes and whatnot, but without feeling guilty because there's no sugar in them, they're low calorie because we use artificial sweeteners. Um, so that is kind of a brief overview of how artificial sweeteners became what they are known today and how they are so prevalent in today's society. Beautiful history, Emma. Tilly, thank you. Us that has fucked with many of our brains, probably because yes. it led to a lot of like these diet culture things, like Emma was saying, associating guilt with sugar and like women can't control themselves, which is like very like misogynist tropes about women not being able to like you know control their emotions. That was like thrown on Hillary Clinton when she ran. So love some evil male marketing. <laughs> But basically, when this became involved with the government was in 1958, the Food Additives Amendment to the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act was passed by Congress, and the Food and Drug Administration is the basic uh, bureaucracy that controls food products, so like created the modern nutrition label, decides if foods get approved to be inside of grocery stores and not, decides the prices, regulates that, um, let's say you know, the, the crops were, like, really bad for potatoes. They might have to, like, raise the prices from where they're getting them in Idaho. So that's, like, the role of the FDA and the government. So the FDA started to control food additives in 1958 because they created an approval process for food addit- additives, including these artificial sweeteners, before they can be available for sale in the United States. However, there's a lot, a lot of loopholes that, like, I was diving into, like, FDA documents for a long time. Because this legislation doesn't apply to products that are called generally recognized as safe, and those do not require FDA approval. So basically, a lot of like wellness products or even standard American diet like products or snack foods or diet foods, they could have a lot of weird ingredients that could make it through the approval process or don't even have to be included on the label because the FDA approved it generally as safe. So that's kind of a loophole where when you're getting products that you know, have a lot, a lot of ingredients. That's why I think there is this health, like, scare around artificial sweeteners. And I think the first kind of way that I was made aware of artificial sweeteners was through diet sodas. Um, Diets, the artificial sweeteners found in diet sodas had a lot of legal, like, litigation claims in, like, the 70s because people were finding, like, linkages to cancer. Um, But diet soda can interfere with the body's basic learning process on how to deal with natural sugar. So as we mentioned a little bit before, since like natural sugar and artificial sweetener are processed differently in the body, you're going to, it's going to trigger your hunger cues and then your body's going to unlearn the ways to deal with natural sugar, how to process it, digest it, you know, your insulin levels. So it's effectively causing the the body's normal mechanisms like appetite regulation, insulin production to fall out of service or go out of whack. There is still a lot of controversy around if artificial sweeteners are good and bad because they are, you know, associated with weight loss in some ways and they have less calories than sugar. But at the same time, a lot of it has not been tried at the clinical level or it's only been tested on lab animals like rats. Um, For example, a study in 2005 showed that rather than promoting weight loss, the use of diet drinks was a marker of weight gain and obesity. And I feel like a lot of people have grown up like associating like diet foods with like or diet sodas, particularly with like gaining weight. Um, And so there's like mixed studies. And that's kind of I think Emma's eyes experience with artificial sweeteners after doing this research that it's very, very nuanced. And if they are good or bad, I thought it was going to be a clear line like they're bad for you. I thought we were going to get like really juicy research, but turns out it's a very nuanced subject. 
So the last thing before we get into all of these like fancy names that you've heard before, there are two types of sweeteners. So one of them is going to be a nutritive sweetener, and this is going to offer nutrition like it says in the word. So that could be something like corn syrup, agave, fruit, honey, molasses. They're easily fruits that can become sweetened as like a calorie substitute. And they would have other things than just the sweetness, like different vitamins and minerals, which is why I tend to prefer using nutritive sweeteners in my own diet versus the non-nutritive sweeteners like Truvia or Aspartame, which have no calories, but they also have no health benefits from vitamins and minerals. So I think that's like the main point that we have been thinking about with sweeteners. Like, is there even a health benefit to eating these? Like, if you want to be fixated on calories and weight loss, that's one thing, but you're not getting any health benefit from them. So the FDA has approved different sweeteners. And so I'm going to have a little bit of a rapid fire section for you with a lot of sweeteners. And we'll have the infographics that'll have all this information like laid out sweeter or laid out sweeter, (laughs) laid out neater for you guys. So the first one that you've probably heard of is stevia. So it is made from a compound found in the leaves of the stevia plant called steviocide. It is native to South America and it's used there for centuries. The one thing about stevia is that it's a natural sweetener and it has no effect on blood pressure or blood glucose responses. So that means it's safe for use by people with diabetes because other ones might trigger some sort of insulin sensitivity or create like an unregulated insulin production because they are not real sugar. So stevia has been like, I think, kind of like the best bet with artificial sweeteners. Um, And I've seen it in a lot of products like those Zevia drinks, which I'm going to hear like low key stands of. Uh, And it's used in a lot of baked goods, cookies, sugar, sweets, gums, mints, things like that. Yeah. So the next one is monk fruit. And I have noticed this one and like a lot of like whenever I'm browsing like the health stores, like monk fruit syrup and like I think it's in some like protein powders and whatnot. Um, So it's a sugar substitute that's often found in like baking snacks and cookies. It's extracted from the monk fruit and it comes from it grows in Southeast Asia and it's known as like the Buddha fruit. And it's basically made by removing the seeds and skin of the fruit and then crushing it to collect the juice, which is which is then dried into a concentrated powder. So that's kind of how monk fruit is like created like at a commercial level. And then the next one is going to be erythrol, I think it's pronounced. It's a sugar alcohol. So that's why it's often found in things like gums, candy, frozen desserts, even mouthwash. I noticed that my toothpaste uses this for like a sweeter taste, obviously. Um, It occurs naturally in some foods like watermelon and mushrooms, some fermented foods and beverages like wine. It's commercially produced, so it ferments the glucose and cornstarch. And so you're probably going to just like find this in, once again, your like gums and candies at the grocery store. And then another like super common one, I would probably say this is like equally as common as stevia is like Splenda. So again, it's like in most processed foods, like canned fruits, syrups, dairy products, and condiments. It's also known as sucralose. So, you know, you might be seeing like sucralose like on your ingredient labels as opposed to like specifically Splenda. Um, And it's made from sugar in a multi-step chemical process in which three hydrogen oxygen groups are replaced with chlorine atoms um, and then chlorinated sugar that is about 600 times as sweet as sugar. So again, like these artificial sweeteners are like hundreds of times sweeter than just like traditional table sugar. Yeah. The next one is aspartame or aspartame. I don't know how to pronounce any of these. Oh, well, I'm on a science lab. <laughs> um, this is one of the most common ones found in diet soda. 
gums and sugar-free ice cream so it's going to be sold under names like NutriSweet or equal you can find those little like packets that coffee places sometimes and it's made from different synthetic chemical pathways so once again when your body is processing it we'll talk about this more like it's not going to treat it like it would be eating regular sugar so that's why it might have different disparate effects on your own health and body yeah so then the next one xylitol it's another sugar alcohol and it's also commonly found in, like, mints, gum, candy, cough syrup. I know, like, yeah, whenever I have, like, purchased, like, the aspartame-free gum or whatever, it, like, tends to have some of these, like, sugar alcohols. Um, and so it naturally occurs in some fruits and vegetables, such as, like, strawberries and cauliflower. And it's actually commercially produced from birch bark and corn husk. And it's known to inhibit the growth of oral bacteria. And so it's actually often used and recommended for oral health. So you'll probably, that's why you will likely see it in different like mouthwashes or like toothpaste because of that one, like kind of known, like semi like health benefit, I suppose. Totally. The next one is sorbitol. I've run in it to a little bit. It's sometimes in jams or marmalades and it naturally occurs in, occurs in some foods like apples, peaches, dried fruit. I've noticed it as a preservative on like dried fruit packages sometimes. So it's a sugar alcohol that's once again produced synthetically from glucose. So that's all the fun little names that you probably have seen at the grocery store. And you're probably still like, okay, should I eat them? So we'll get into that part next. The last kind of, you know, juicy research that I did come across with the word natural flavors. So as I used to be a seltzer fiend, as I'm not so much anymore, you're often, you know, drinking on, what's your favorite flavor, Emma? I'm trying to think of some. Oh, um, I mean, I, I'm more of a Howl's, like, New York stand. So, like, the black cherry or, like, um, for LaCroix, I guess, like, lime or something, I guess. Yeah, or the Poland or Polar big bottles of, like, orange vanilla. Those can hit sometimes. Or, like, the Trader Joe's one that tastes like gummy bears. It's, like, winter something <gasps> something. Oh, my God, I forgot about that. Yeah, it's a purple label. Wow, that needs to be memed. I literally forgot about that. <laughs> um. So I came across natural flavors through sparkling waters because I was always like, wow, how can this taste so sweet? And there's literally nothing in my water. Funny you ask, everyone. So (laughs) there have been various lawsuits specifically filed at LaCroix, which I'm sure a lot of you Gen Z listeners are familiar with. Even millennials, I won't exclude you. Um, So in October, an Illinois woman filed a class action lawsuit. If you don't know what a class action lawsuit is, it's where a bunch of people join together to fight the man, usually. Um, And they have filed a lawsuit against LaCroix's parent company because they allege that although the brand claims to be all natural, a lot of its ingredients are artificial, including something like lilanol, which is used in cockroach insecticide. So I read that and I was like, ooh, juicy drama. Let's get into it. See how the FDA responds. So in this lawsuit, they sued against LaCroix and then the FDA had to respond to it as the petitioner. So FDA said that they do not require food companies to disclose the ingredients that are creating a natural flavor. So this was a case, as I mentioned before, where the these natural flavors that were found in LaCroix are chemicals that are generally recognized as safe. So the company doesn't have to disclose like what the hell is their natural flavor. It could be, you know, conspire about whatever you want for the natural flavor to be. But basically the FDA is defined a natural flavor as something that adds flavor to a product. So as long as it comes directly from a plant or animal source, and that is a very, very wide range of what it could be. It could be something from like 
dog shit to an apple. Um, so that's kind of where the area of natural flavors is still needing more like research, specifically on like how it affects your health, because there's really been no studies. Because let's say you go to LaCroix and then you go to Trader Joe's sparkling water, their natural flavors are going to be different. So it's really difficult to know. And that's why I'd be sick if the FDA did something about it to test this. Um, but basically natural flavors, you are never 100% sure of what those natural flavors are. So consume with caution. I mean, I still drink, you know, sparkling water here and there, and I'm not, like, freaking out about it. It's not going to, like, maybe shit will come out in five years, but, you know, it's not going to kill you right now unless we learn that it will. So <laughs> that's that. Um, the more human side of this is, like, I think all of us have come across these sweeteners in diet foods, and it's like, oh, I'm going to substitute this versus having the real thing like honey or molasses or maple syrup. The main food that I thought about is Halo Top ice cream. Um, yeah. Yes, I, like, yes. Before I went vegan, I feel like eating disorder, this was like one of my trigger foods, honestly. I'm like trying to remember. I feel like I was thinking about like my eating disorder and like kind of the months before I came um, out with it to my parents. And I was like, what the fuck did I eat? Like, what were the foods? I knew I ate a lot of those weird like 100 calorie like oreo thin nabisco snack packs but i was like was i eating halo top nonetheless uh, you know blocked it out for a good reason but things in halo top for example these non-nutritive sweeteners are going to have provide no sense of fullness or satisfaction to your body yet they simultaneously refrain the taste buds to require more and more sweetness so since it's not a calorie substitute your body's going to be eating this and eating this and like where is the calorie to tell me that i'm satiated that's why it does get tricky if you're doing a lot of substitution with artificial sweeteners because your satiety hormones might not be triggered. For example, after consuming a diet soda, you still might feel like you want to eat something that's sweet, like a cookie or a cake. And if you would have just maybe gone to have that thing that was consumed with real sugar, your craving might have been met. And some natural sweeteners that we've said before include things like fruit juices and nectar, honey, molasses, maple syrup. So that's kind of the, I think, how I think about artificial sweeteners is like more of the question about like why am I craving something that like has zero calories like what's the logic behind that yeah totally and I think also like with like the diet foods like Halo Top it's like oh well since it just has 300 calories you can just eat the entire pint and not feel guilty because like I know like that's very easy to do with like regular ice cream and I think something for me that I've realized like as I've gotten older like yeah like I want to like actually be able to enjoy like the real thing like I don't want to like have to like sacrifice and then like Overconsume because I'm not like really getting or like satisfying that craving that I'm wanting. Um, so yeah, I definitely like have always associated like artificial sweeteners with like my past history of like yeah like the diet foods and like how they like promote them. Totally, and I agree. Like I am on I both. I threw out my rice cakes this week. I was like, why? Me too, girl. Me too. We're free. Food freedom. And I'm not saying like everyone who eats rice cakes has an eating disorder. LOL. Even though I have memes about that because they hold a very specific place in my heart of me eating PB2 with rice cakes. Like it's it's why you're eating the food. And it was like for a long time I was eating rice cakes to avoid eating something with calories because I was scared of eating calories. So that's kind of why I think I have never gone down the route of like using buying artificial sweeteners like if a product has it in it like yeah maybe i'll eat it but i'm never like i my pantry for example does not have a big bag of stevia i do not have monk fruit sweetener because i'm just like i have molasses and maple syrup and coconut sugar and dates like i don't want to get something that's like random i guess yeah and i think another thing to go along with that at least for me like how as as i've gotten older especially like these past few like weeks i would almost say i've really focused more on like 
nutrition and like nutritional value and like is this food gonna like have like protein and like fats to keep me full because sometimes I remember like oh I'll just like eat the rice cakes because they're like less calories but then it's like I wouldn't feel full and it's like I want to like actually like be smarter about like how I'm eating of course and again like Kate said like there's nothing wrong with eating rice cakes like I'm sure like I'll like eat them like here and there like in my future but I think like yeah like I have like gone back to purchasing Mary's crackers I'm like okay I'd rather like eat something that I know I'm gonna feel satisfied from and I think just like realizing that like okay like I like deserve to eat foods that have like nutrients in them and not just like something because it has like no calories totally I agree with that too I think Emma and I have made a lot of progress like in private this past week just like had a lot of breakthroughs where I think Emma you mentioned this like I would rather go to Van Leeuwen and get a really nice thing of ice cream and like taste it and I think it does relate to self-worth like I deserve to like have this very adult like moment where I get to like sit and enjoy my meal and like cook and like make it take an hour versus just like having some sort of sad meal and then spiraling like I think when you are doing these behaviors you will hit a breaking point and I think Emma and I had a breaking point recently where I was just like no I actually want to fucking cook like I can't like claim to be like a health god for all these like random dudes that I'm talking to on dating apps meanwhile I'm just like stomaching a bunch of nut butter with rice cakes like how fucking healthy is that so challenge yourself I think in how you you know what foods you allow yourself to have and artificial sweeteners is only like a small blip of that yeah but back to the risks so there's been a lot of animal studies about artificial sweeteners they'll go and give these lab rats some shit and they have proven on animals that it does cause weight gain brain tumors bladder cancer and many health hazards so as you can imagine with the age of disinformation people would take that spread it like rapid fire that aspartame is gonna give you bladder cancer which is not true cancer risk has not been proven studies of most fda approved sweeteners have not been demonstrated with clear evidence of an association with cancer in humans and just because a substance is natural like stevia also does not mean that it is safe. There's plenty of natural plant components that are toxic too. If you think about everything that's done to our soil, if you think about the processing of foods, like just because it says it's natural, like those are a lot of like greenwashing buzzwords. So that's kind of your role as a consumer, which is sad. We need more consumer regulation around these words, but that's another thing to keep in consideration, just not to associate it. Artificial sweetener is bad. Natural sweetener is good. Basically like food additives generally do not have to go through the same FDA safety trials as pharmaceuticals. And most of this testing is going to be funded by the food industry. So that like raises another question of like, okay, there haven't been studies on this because the testing is funded by the same industry that are making these foods with the artificial sweeteners. But once again, most of these studies on sugar substitutes have limitations because it's only done in animals or very small sample sizes or high doses, or they're not really statistically significant in the way that they were testing the trials. So once again, another area of health that still needs to be discovered more. Yeah. So next kind of like, I think getting into like the potential long-term side effects, so like short, medium, and long-term. Um, I think the first one is like digestion. I have definitely heard like, oh, artificial sweeteners can like cause this damage to your gut or whatever. So it is known that they can alter normal gut bacteria which also contributes to impaired blood glucose through the body. And sugar alcohols such as like xylitol, sorbitol, erythritol, they can be troublesome for your gut because the chemical structure of these sweeteners can pull water into the gut, causing the stomach ache. So if you're someone who suffers with IBS, it is highly recommended to probably avoid these because they can aggravate the symptoms such as, ab- such as cramps and diarrhea. 
Um, and also, like, when you do eat large amounts of sugar alcohols, they can trigger and have some sort of laxative effect. So, yeah, artificial sweeteners, like, they can alter normal gut bacteria. And also in the gastropod, um, when I was listening to that on artificial sweeteners, there was a study done on, like, mice saying that basically when they were being fed artificial sweeteners, the microbes that prefer or do a better job at pulling calories out of food that like the artificial sweeteners kind of like boosted and triggered a growth of those microbes. And so that's why some of like the mice experienced weight gain. And of course, like just because something is done on mice and something occurred on mice does not necessarily mean that's going to translate to humans. Um, Which I thought was like an interesting thing, like how artificial sweeteners can like trigger certain like growth of certain like bacteria in your gut. Um, So again, there's like very little like research on like how, if that will like, basically impact humans but just a little like interesting thing that I discovered yeah and with digestion I think there's ways to challenge the short-term effects like every time after you eat something maybe keep a food journal or keep a note that like oh that happened when I had the gum that was sweetened with sorbitol or something like that I haven't really like noticed a difference for me when I've had gum or cough drops you know those are my typical times I feel like I'm consuming artificial sweeteners but that's another way to test it the back another thing back to taste so it does taste the way, change the way we taste food as i mentioned before these non-nutritive sweeteners are a lot more potent meaning they're a lot more sweet than table sugar so your body's not going to be able to process it in the same way because a very small amount of something like stevia is going to produce a sweet taste without the comparable calories so this overstimulation of sugar receptors could limit your tolerance for more complex tastes. Let's say you go to Van Leeuwen and you get ice cream with real sugar, like real cane sugar, your body might have some sort of like weird reaction to it because you haven't been tasting what real sugar is. So basically it's like if you've routinely been using artificial sweeteners, you may start to find out that like fruit is less appealing to you and things like vegetables that are unsweet might be unpalatable to you and this was in a study from like the harvard medical school so it's still once again being challenged because i think probably there's not enough not enough people that are consuming artificial sweeteners regularly maybe there are with diet culture i don't know but it's just something to keep in mind that it could alter your taste of other foods yeah so then the next one is like con- cognitive function and like how like it kind of can confuse the brain so artificial artificial sweeteners excuse me taste sweet but again like we've mentioned they lack the calories found in other sweet tasting foods so they're thought to confuse the brain into still feeling hunger because since there's no calories your body isn't really like processing or registering that it's consuming calories and therefore isn't gonna know if it's full or not which is why it's like so easy to eat the entire container of halo top and not even really notice it um and artificial sweeteners confuse your body by separating the taste of sweetness from the caloric reward So it impairs your natural ability to eat when you're hungry and stop when you're full. And I know like for a lot of people who have probably experienced like eating disorders or like not even just like eating disorders, but perhaps just like preferring to eat like lower calorie foods, like not having any like hunger cues because you've been so good at like, you know, suppressing your like hunger and also like confusing your hunger through like eating these low calorie uh, foods. So it's definitely like one way to kind of, I think, be able to gain hunger cues is probably to slowly like cut back on the low calorie foods and then like slowly introduce like the more natural ones like real sugar maple syrup honey etc yeah and like sometimes for me when I've gone on and maybe had a snack food that had artificial sweeteners or like bake something with artificial sweeteners I've had that feeling like I could eat this whole 
thing of banana bread versus like if you have a real dessert I was home for Christmas and my mom made a lot of like vegan cookies for me which was really nice and I noticed that I had like one or two and I was full versus sometimes when I bake on my own and it's a fucking mess because I don't believe in recipes and following them but like yeah I think that's another thing to keep in consideration that if you are fearing calories so much you might have these like episodic binge episodes on like sugar-free stuff so it's not necessarily going to like you know solve your eating issues per se it might trigger something worse at least that's been the case for me sometimes um the next one is hormones so this is very common for like women to concern about as emma mentioned with the history these are kind of created by evil girl bosses that wanted us all to fail um so when you eat sweet foods it causes your body to release insulin which helps the process to absorb this sugar in your body and this sweet taste is going to induce the insulin response which is going to cause your blood sugar to be stored in tissues but because these are artificial sweeteners your blood sugar taste does not increase with artificial sweeteners meaning that there's going to be something called hypoglycemia and increased food intake so when they did this on rats they were given artificial sweeteners And they had steadily increased their caloric intake when they were eating artificial sweeteners. They increased their body weight and increased their adipose tissue, which is like the fat tissue on your body. Whenever you see those weird fat diagrams of like muscle and then fat and the fat is like that weird like orangey slimy stuff. Oh my God. The guy that I'm going on a date with just texted me. I just woke up. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, oh, that's just what we like to hear. <laughs> breakfast and I'm podcasting, and you're just awake. Ugh, yikes, girlies, just DM me if you want to know how it goes. <laughs> um, okay, so back to hormones. The rats were given this artificial sweetener, and they actually went and like ate more calories, and their body weight got fatter, and they increased their fat tissue on their body. So the animal study showed that consuming products with saccharin might inc- lead to increased body weight and obesity because it interferes with your fundamental homeostatic and physiological processes. Basically, like if you're looking for artificial sweeteners as a way to eat less, sometimes it might cause you to eat more because of the way it fucks with your hormones. So that's that. And I think the whole point of this episode is basically like get to the reason why you're looking for artificial sweeteners. They're not necessarily as problematic as I thought they would be going into but yeah like it might not cause weight gain it might not cause weight loss so you can't really like look to them once again like any isolated thing to be your health cure per se yeah and like they're definitely like not gonna be like the solution like you're still like I like I think for a while I was like oh like if I eat these like low calorie like diet desserts like I will like be happy because like I'm like eating sweets but like not gonna gain weight and like all this other stuff but I think like again like I think it's really easy to like turn to like certain foods to like cure you from like how your relationship with your body and everything but it's like it, it won't um and yeah definitely just like asking yourself why I'm like choosing to eat the process like artificial sweeteners as opposed to the real thing and I think like the biggest thing is just like growing and realizing your self-worth and that like no like I like deserve and I want to eat like the real actual treat so I can like actually truly enjoy right. it and I've thought about like I think Emma and I I have a specifically like disgusting feeling towards baking sometimes because I think one I live alone two have had an eating disorder three like I just feel sometimes that I'm pressured to like eat the whole thing or get it out of my pantry in a week then it leads to binging trying to cut calories in the in the recipe not follow the recipe so I think like if you sit down and think about why are you avoiding eating the real calories or avoiding eating the real sugar that can be a really smart way to go about it like I'm a has a food journal and I've done this in some ways like every time I'm about to go eat something and I feel like 
you know, I'm really craving sugar or something, or I'm really craving banana bread, or I want to go randomly just like, you know, spend $20 on a random food item. Like, why the hell am I there? That's a really, I think, important way to like, channel in your relationship with food. Totally. And like, also, yeah, I think sugar substitutes within the context of your whole diet too. like, Emma was saying, this is not going to be the cure for everything. Sugars are going to be such a small quantity of all the nutrition that you eat. And it's not going to be like, oh, yeah, my vitamin D levels are really bad now because I ate aspartame. Like, that's not the best way to approach food. So. Yeah. And I think also it's like with like, I like I always like would sometimes like choose artificial sweeteners because I would like or like bake without like sugar or something. So I'd be like so afraid like, oh, if it has like real sugar, I'm just going to like eat the entire thing. But then it's like with artificial sweeteners, it's like I don't feel as guilty if I eat the entire thing. And I don't think that's healthy either. I think Kate and I have also talked about how like obviously like binge eating disorder is like common. I've experienced it. And like it is obviously like, you know, a mental like disorder. Like it's very hard to break out of the cycle. But I think like what I would like feel less guilty when I was like over consuming or like eating the entire like, yeah, pint of ice cream if it was like low calorie. But I think like even that just like eating like a large quantity that isn't like like that's like a form of like self-harm and like not really treating your body in a way that I have realized that like I don't want to treat my body like that anymore like I think people always say that like the most healthy people are someone who can just like eat a cookie and move on in their life but it's true like if you have like two hours to like be paranoid about what you're gonna eat or eat an entire sleeve of whatever your favorite food is like the obsessive um like fixation on food is very unhealthy regardless of how you're doing it like it can be restrictive and bad leads to underweight you also can have different scenarios where certain foods trigger you so I think moving beyond like Emma was saying foods fear foods and like fearing sugar fear eating the real thing is definitely evaluation of your self-worth and yeah I mean that's why we're here for you girlies because we have been triggered and we have been triggered by the high carb, low fat community, you know, the wellness bloggers, <laughs> everyone. We've experienced it all. Um, yeah, we are we are seasoned professionals in this toxic <laughs> yeah. world. Uh, trying to, you know, make memes to get through it. But like that, we did it, man. That was a short little pod for you guys. Um, what else you got in your docket as I say? um i'm actually i'm meeting with a girly who um i think she listens to the pod she definitely follows the main page but we went to the same college i guess and so we're meeting at a coffee shop in the east village and we're just gonna chat things up um meet irl i need to go to trader joe's to buy like maple syrup uh because i made pancakes yesterday and they were like chef's kiss and i might make those tomorrow but i have no maple syrup we hate the deficit but love the social engagement Oh, yeah. I remember you said mm-hmm. you were going there because my date is also going to be centered in that general vicinity. Yeah, Kate and I, like, my, this, is be, this might be, like, the closest thing that we um, experienced to a double date. Um, us, like, sitting in the car. I, I don't know how I feel, but, you know, we'll see after this podcast goes up and live how I'm feeling. Oof. But, yeah, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to make for dinner. I'm going to try to not to, like, think about it at 2.47 p.m. <laughs> as I normally do yeah funny yeah that's the common theme among us once that once that 247 hits it's like my brain's like okay dinner what are we gonna eat and then it's just like i my brain won't shut up until i like finally eat dinner agree so you know we wish you all good luck on your health journey if you've become a wellness god overnight we're not sorry about it own up to it girlies we love that for you (laughs) 
But thank you guys for listening. The infographics will come out later this week. You can stay informed. Make sure you're following Emma and I. You're following CMOS Life. Really want to boost up that page. And, of course, following the meme page where you can just get some shitposting stuff from us. Well, I'll talk to you later, man. Talk to you later. Peace and love. Bye.